0: This is the adult Explore the Bible weekly leader training podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using Lifeways Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the spring of 2023, We're studying chapters twelve through twenty-one of John, and I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and Amber Vaden is with us as well as our co-host. Amber, thank you for being with us again this week. Uh, Looking forward to having our guest, which is going to be Rob Timms, with us today. And so, Rob, thank you for being with us today as we look at chapter eighteen of John.
1: Yes, thanks for having
0: me, guys. Amber, why don't you give us an overview? of this passage for that we'll be examining this week
2: of course and it is good to be here thank you for having me uh so this week we are looking at john chapter 18 verses 1 through 11 uh session 9 we in our study have broken down uh those passages to look at first uh verses 1 through 3 show of force uh in this in these verses john told of Jesus and the disciples making their way to a garden they frequented, which was the Garden of Gethsemane, but they were not alone. Judas also led a group of soldiers and officials to the area, searching for Jesus with the intent of arresting him. Uh, our second Uh, Part of the outline is positive identification, verses 4 through 9. When asked by Jesus, the group told him they were seeking Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, so Jesus identified himself, of course, and the group stepped back and fell to the ground. Uh, Jesus asked them a second time who they were seeking, and they responded again that they were looking for Jesus. Uh, He also, at this point, demanded that his disciples be allowed to go free. The third part of our outline is Rebellion Snuffed, and it's verses 10 and 11. John told of Peter's drawing a sword and cutting off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant, but then Jesus directed Peter to put away the weapon, acknowledging that he was willing to be obedient to the Father and did not need need that kind of assistance. Peter was trying to give our summary statement for this whole session is Jesus is always in control and committed to the redemption of humanity so we'll see that interwoven throughout the whole uh, study of verses 1 through 11.
0: Thank you for giving us that quick overview Amber. Um, Rob let's let's look at this one of the questions that that uh, comes up when i look at this is you see this idea of a cohort coming in a large number of soldiers and we have this idea that they're sneaking up on someone uh, could a cohort like that really sneak up on somebody i don't when i when i saw the
1: word cohort in the in the text i immediately thought of like a a small group of you know doctoral students or you know, master's thesis students you know working together trying to solve solve problems i did not yeah. I did not realize that the possibility of this, you know, force size could be two, three, four, <laughs> several hundred, several yeah. people, which is really, you know, quite the scene because of you know where they are. You know, Jesus and the disciples inside this olive garden, you know, behind a wall garden, out in the middle where they usually go, and then for for Judas and the temple police and this thing, it's a, it's a quite a, a show of force um, as you as you guys have put in the outline there. So it's. it's it's, I guess it's not a surprise to me that also in the text, Jesus goes out to meet them. <laughs> sure yeah. He
0: knew they were coming just by yeah. virtue of their size, you know? Yeah. It wasn't wouldn't, it wouldn't like, it, you know, we're going to sneak up on him and yeah. he's not going to, I mean, you know, um, I have this, it, it kind of destroys our image of what usually happens there or what we see happening when we see movies and stuff about this. It's, it's a large group of people coming to, to arrest him.
1: Yeah. That, that's um, right and, and I think if I remember correctly um I'm sorry I'm just now pulling up the text in front of sure. you again to to make sure but you know I'm it is nighttime right so we're yes. I'm, I'm assuming they're or you know f- fire or some other sure. form of light guiding them into their into their another into way so it's it's not just the very practical thing that Jesus comes out there to greet them because he hears them and sees them coming because of their sheer size and because yeah. it's night, but I think it's also just cool how Jesus goes out, goes out there like he's just said, John fourteen through seventeen, he's just he's he's just laid out all this incredible truth about what's getting ready to happen, and and this passage is, it begins. Yeah, and he's not cowering. He's not hiding. He's where he always goes, and he goes out to meet them. And the, he's, the show of force that they have isn't scare Jesus. He engages. I think just think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, he it, steps up to it, and that's important for us to think about here.
2: Yeah, we know verse four says Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, so he was not taken unaware of that at all. He he knew. He knew. Question number two, John says in verse six, the soldiers stepped back and fell to the ground when Jesus verified who he was. How do we interpret what happened here? How should we understand that? Were they surprised that he actually said who they thought he was? (laughs) Uh, They knew where he was and they came to get him. And when he said, yes, I'm him, uh, suddenly they stepped back and fell to the ground. What is that about?
1: Yeah, I, I do like the explanation. Of, of several of the of our common uh, of our of our theologians and our scholars because apparently this phrase is is ego me in the Greek. it's the same phrase of, of I am. And, and so I do think there's some shock. I do like the explanation that there's some shock and awe associated with you know the, the temple police especially, that Jesus would, even in this moment, under this show of force, knowing that they're coming to do him harm, or at least not do him any good, would still claim to be exactly yeah. who he's been claiming he would he would be. I, I do like that explanation. Um, it seems to make the make the most sense to me, as opposed to some sort of uh, thunderous voice or <laughs> yeah. uh, theophany or something like that. I, I do think it may is just, yeah, I, I really am him. I I am, and I am him you are you are seeking.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a significant moment, I think, and uh, I would love to have been there to ask some questions.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, but, there are yeah. some some folks who who you know John is known for the seven I am statements, and uh, I am the bread. I am I'm the the water the uh, the uh the door uh, the jo- door mm-hmm. those type of statements, and there are a few who count this as an eighth i am statement
1: oh
0: um because it is so poignant and i am he it says he tells them twice um that's great, and yeah. that's an important part of this puzzle here uh, he's not backing down like we've already talked about and he is uh, he is in charge at this point in fact we see them we see him standing between the mob and the disciples Rob, you mentioned that he went out and met the group. So the idea would be the he left the disciples there behind him, and here's this mob. He goes and greets them, has this conversation. I am he identifies himself, but he's standing between the mob and the disciples. What should we make of the significance of where Jesus has placed himself? Because Jesus is the one that's positioned himself at this point, not them, but him. What should we make yeah, about I mean, how? He's- Jesus has positioned himself here.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, so even this, his statement, um, you're going to let these guys go. Um, So he's, he's positionally situated in such a way that he's, it's validating what he's, what he's saying, right? He's, he's saying, you're here for me. You're not here for them. I'm out in front. Take me this. You don't even, these guys aren't even trying to, you don't even need to worry about these guys, which, uh, I mean, I, I think. I think one of the things that I, I want that I'm taking away from this whole passage as a whole, and that and this is kind of the climax of it, is that you've got you know Judas who is under some sort of sense that he's manipulating things and bringing this all to, to light, and then you have soldiers and temple police who think they're in control and they have all this force and all this power, and and it, Jesus is is walking out. He's meeting. He knows exactly Amber to your point. He knows exactly mm-hmm. what is going to happen. He's actually the one that's in control of this whole situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's all coming to pass exactly as he knew it would, um, and so I, I think that the fact that he's standing out there in front, in between, he's owning this moment. And uh, and, and uh, even as um, even as it looks like he's a victim, he's actually the victor.
0: Even with the next, the last part of this passage where we see Peter pulling a sword and cutting the ear off of Malchus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, folks argue all the time or present Peter as either a really bad swordsman or or really that's all he was wanting to do was knock off the ear. I don't know which one it is. Um, but even when that, Jesus demonstrates he's in control of that situation, too, where he takes the ear and heals the ear and Malchus is on his way.
1: That's right. That's um, right. I, I do find like... <laughs> there's part of me that's that just wonders you know what in the world Peter was, was thinking oh, you yeah know? like you, if you do have a cohort of soldiers and the temple police and and number one what is a fisherman doing with a sword anyway um and and what uh what was he thinking about taking out the intern you know like yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. well I, I think it could have been an emotional moment I mean just a, a an act of I, I I need to do something.
1: So a, a complete lack of control by, yeah. by trying to, to take control. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the irony of it. But, but you're right, Wayne. I mean, and Jesus does, does exactly what Jesus does, which is uh, he's, he's gracious to everybody in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. He's gracious no, to everybody in that moment, Malchus in particular, but also Peter, it's, just a remark, Peter, my kingdom is not of this world. This, yes. You just yes. heard me teach how this is going to happen again and again and again, and you're not you're not missing it. I, now, the got... other
0: the other gospel writers, they don't include the name of Peter or Malchus. They leave it alone. Um, they're almost like, well, we know who it was. Well, we were there, uh, Matthew, and we were there, but I really don't want to throw Peter under the bus. <laughs> but yet John was more than happy to name Peter as the one who pulled the sword, but he also gave the name Malchus. W- why would that have been important? you think for john to have given those two names here i think well, it gives
2: it oh yeah, go ahead go ahead
0: go on. no go ahead amber you're right
2: i think it gives it a little validity obviously he's writing this so much after the fact so uh he is looking back telling what happened um it shows he was he was i can name names i was there uh i can tell you exactly who did who pulled out the sword and who lost his ear um Peter, uh, also when it was written, Peter was already dead. And so he's no longer in danger of authorities deciding, oh, that that crime should should be punished. And so uh, there's, a I think, a couple of thoughts that could uh, go into that question.
1: I, I agree. And I, I also can't help but wonder that maybe John and Peter just had a bit of a rivalry or something, because <laughs> it just feel like every time John's got the opportunity to. to to make himself come out maybe just a little bit brighter Hmm. he's he's pretty good at it against peter i don't know i that's more theory than than scholarship (laughs) but it sure is fun to think about interesting
0: yeah the the other idea there too would be that that maybe he was a little jealous of Peter. at least peter did something yeah Hmm. um and john john follows jesus obviously because we'll know that a little bit later on he follows him to the trials um and his is present but still peter took definitive action at that moment Mm -hmm. Uh, there's there's a part of me that wonders too if malchus was still alive at this point where he could be consulted um, to verify this information because remember john's whole purpose of writing this was to demonstrate that jesus was the messiah and if Malchus was still alive, knowing his name, somebody could track him down and find out if this story really happened that way uh, would you know I don't know if there'd be a scar or not. We don't know how Jesus healed his ear, but Malchus would be able to testify to exactly what happened here. any other key ideas or thoughts from this particular passage that we want to focus on here, y'all?
1: I just like to highlight the fact that there's so much um Here to support uh, the the intentionality and the Mm -hmm. providence and the sovereignty of the life of Jesus, committed to do what the Father sent Him to do, all the way to the end, and even in all of the circumstances where you think it's all not going well at all, there are Roman and Jewish police. I mean, it's this is this is where it's bad. It's actually happening exactly as God intended to happen. Yes. Which gives us a great deal of comfort um when we are in our in a position of suffering, in a position of challenge, in a position where every reason everything in us wants to doubt whether things are, are, are going according to the plan that that God has for us. He is there, he is in it, and we can trust him.
0: It's really you know, good. One good. of the things too, the the Bible skill for this particular lesson looks at Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and then this passage here in John 18. And it asks, you, asks us to compare these four accounts. All four of them are of the same event. It's the arrest of Jesus. And what we're encouraged to do is create a timeline, piece those four together so we get a timeline of what happened during that arrest. So the question that I have is, how can I do that with my class? Well, you know, one thing I could do is I could recruit somebody to do that beforehand, make that comparison chart, they do the research, and then they present it to the class. If there's somebody I'm trying to mentor to become a teacher, that'd be a great way for them to learn to study in a little bit different way and then present it to the class, um, get them in front of the class. We could do it as a class prior to the group time. We use Google Docs or something like that, some other um, collaborative kind of tool, online tool, then we could do that and add to it during the week as we studied it and put it together and then come together as a group and present that idea. That'd be an interesting way to do it. Or as QuickSource uh, suggests, we create three teams. We give one team the Matthew passage, one team the Mark passage, and a third team the Luke passage. And then everybody has the John passage. And you just ask them to compare based on the side passage they have and then ask them to report. When they report, then you create the master timeline. That's a way to do it where it it, uh, may be a little bit quicker than doing looking at all four of those passages together as a group, because that's going to take a great deal of time to do that. But if you just do it that way, that may help uh, in using the Bible skill during the group time.
2: That's good. Good word. From time to time in the podcast, we mentioned different resources in the Explore the Bible family, like the Leader Pack, Quick Source that Dwayne just mentioned, the Adult Commentary, just to name a few. And you can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. That is uh, your one-stop shop for all the things uh, that are available for you as you prepare to lead your group.
0: Amber, thank you for that reminder. Rob, thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate it. This is one of my favorite lessons uh, from John because there's so much in it. You talk about Jesus being in control and it's setting up everything else that's going to happen with the death, burial, resurrection. And it's probably one of those passages we don't give a lot of attention to sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to do that. Next week, we'll be looking at session 10. Bob Bunn will be with us. We'll be looking at John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. We'll be looking at the trials of Jesus. And the main point that we'll be looking at or drawing from that lesson is that Jesus was without guilt and sinless in every way.